to golf better at Worldwide Golf Shops. Episode 206. Hello, everyone. Tom Purcell here. Thanks so much for joining us. If you're a first-time listener, long-time subscriber, somewhere in the middle. Either way, we're glad you joined us. Our special guest joins us today from up in the Northeast before he makes his trip overseas. Back for his second appearance here on Golf Better, he is the world-renowned host of the Fairways of Life show on Sirius XM Radio and the Golf Channel. Also best-selling author, Mr. Matt Adams. Matt, thanks so much for carving out the time, man. It's great to have you with us. Pleasure to be with you, Tom. Thank you. You and I spoke last time. It was about the Marion experiment right after that, and we had some other USGA experiments. But let's talk about what's going on right now with the Olympics. More news today. Jason Day and Shane Lowry, right? Yeah, Jason Day and Shane Lowry have both withdrawn from consideration for the Olympic Games, citing in each case uh, the threat of the Zika virus and the fact that you know, they have, in the case of Shane Lowry, he's newly married and they want to start a family. And in the case of Jason Day, they have two children and they hope to have a couple more. And they both acknowledge two things I think they're important. One, they acknowledge that, that the risk is very, very small, but they don't want to take the risk. Okay, that's, that's something you can respect a person's perspective on as far as that goes. And there was another aspect to it that I thought was telling and I think is very healthy for the game of golf, and that is, Tom, that both expressed, I mean, Shane used the word anguish in his statement, both expressed a great deal of difficulty in coming to this decision, so they put a great deal of thought. They obviously spoke to many people before coming to a, a final conclusion that they would not partake in the Olympics. So I think that's good for the, for the history, uh, or, or at least for the future, if you will, of the game, that we know that golf is going to be in the Olympics in 2016. We know it's going to be in at least in 2020. And you've got the top players in the world going, yeah, I'm really sorry that I have to miss it for this reason. You know, a more general comment would be to make sure that I think we all have to be cognizant of the fact that while the Zika virus has been quoted as the reason for not going by a number of the top players, including Rory McIlroy, that's not been the case with all the players. In some cases, it's been family commitments. In some cases, it's been scheduling. In some cases, it's been injury. You know, uh, Graham McDowell said he, he never said anything about the Zika virus. He wasn't going because his wife is due to give birth with their second child two weeks after what would be the conclusion of, of golf in its first uh, entree into the Olympic Games in 112 years. So there's a lot of different reasons going on for it. But, yes, that was the most recent breaking news. Matt, what do you hear about the golf course? It seemed like just a year or so ago we were worried about the golf course. Now Zika's taken over the headlines. But what do you hear about the course? Is it going to be ready and in condition? Uh, it is ready, and it is con- in condition. I spoke with Gil Hans, and I spoke with Amy Alcott, the designers of the golf course, as to that exact question, Tom, of is the golf course ready to host? Is it ready to be a stage for a competition of, of this stature? And they assured me that the grow-in was good. You know, the funny thing is, is when you talk about will a course be ready or won't a course be ready, what it really comes down to is what type of grass are you putting on that golf course? And as you well know, 
Bermuda grows like a weed. It's really not a problem getting that to grow, getting that to root, and getting the, the root structure and then the, the grass itself to be dense and to be a good budding surface. That's the beauty of, of Bermuda. So the, the, when, when they were talking about the risk to the golf course there, it wasn't from growing. It was from getting, make sure that they had the rights to do what they, what they needed to in terms of the development of the land and the shaping of the land. So from that standpoint, they got past all that. And once they went to seed, you knew that golf course was going to be ready for the competition. And both architects have told me that it absolutely is. Well, if there's anything good about this, it's, it takes the topic away from Dustin Johnson, the USGA, and, and all that's going on there. Is, is the talk finally slowed down a little bit on your show and around the golf industry on, on how the USGA handled this thing? It has, but... I think part of the reason that it has is that everybody across, you know, Sirius XM, PGA Tour Radio, I think all of the hosts just got tired of talking about it, to tell you the truth. I think if if we kind of stoked those those fires again, I think we'd get as many calls as, as we wanted to. There was a great deal of anger from people in the wake of the, the U.S. Open victory of Dustin Johnson and the rules snafu that took place there. And there was a, there are still a lot of people that want to punish the USGA, and, you know, they're, they're making all kinds of different claims as to what they're going to do, you know, not renewing their USGA membership or what have you. I think a lot of it is just emotion in the flash of the event. The, the clear issue here is that the USGA made a ruling. I happen to believe, like many do, that the ruling was wrong. But, okay, that's just my opinion against their opinion. Their, decision, their conviction to this day is that they made the correct ruling as to whether – uh, Dustin did or did not cause that ball to move. However, what the USG has done is they have come out and beat themselves on their back with the reads by saying they got the whole process completely wrong. And so from that standpoint, I hear that and I go, okay, you've admitted that it was dead wrong. You've admitted that it's something that you have to take a look at. You've admitted that there's a problem with the rule itself that needs to be reviewed as well in terms of other causes that the player could have caused the ball to move instead of just whether he did or did not have his, his putter head grounded behind the club, which he or behind the ball, which he didn't. So from that standpoint, I'm not giving the, the USGA a buy necessarily, but I'm saying, okay, they've admitted that they made a major error in terms of how they processed this whole thing, and they've admitted that it's something that they have to look at. I think the bigger story here that is absolutely getting overshadowed in all of this discussion is the fact that Dustin Johnson closed. Here's a guy that had already established a record in his career for not closing in the, the white-hot spotlight of major championships. And we can quote the, the Bible and verse of where he had his failings. And here he was in this crucible of pressure, both because of the ruling and because it was the final round of the U.S. Open on a U.S. Open that was set up probably as difficult as any course that we have seen in recent memory. And yet he was able to close the deal through all of that. I think it's a reflection of where Dustin Johnson is with his game, where he is with his confidence, and more so where he is with that fairway, the six-inch one between his ears. Given the fact that we have two majors left in this season, Tom, they're both taking place in days from now, the month of July. you got a player that's hot right now. 
he could do something historic in the next four and a half weeks. Yeah, we had Dustin on our show last year right after Doral, and he said that the tee shot he hit on 18 in the Blue Monster to win there was probably the most clutch shot he's hit in his life under pressure. Look at forward, yeah. forwarding a little bit to last year at Chambers Bay, those two shots he hit on 18, and then the two shots he hit this year, just amazing. They are. I, I think in a lot of ways that putting reveals – insecurities. It's a, it's a window into a player's soul. And when you look at what happened last year, he consistently hits great drives on 18, and he did it again this year. A brilliant drive on 18, a brilliant six iron on 18, set himself up with a birdie putt that was a relatively short birdie putt that he was able to convert. So from that standpoint, if he had had a longer putt, would it have made a difference? Probably not because he had, even with the penalty, he had the buffer going in there. But as you noted, those two shots that he hit last year at Chambers Bay were absolutely brilliant for whatever reason, whether it was the grass or whether it was something lurking inside of his psyche, he wasn't ready. It wasn't his time to win the U.S. Open. What I'm saying now is now that he has broken through and he already was riding a high, I think this is a sign of great things to come for, for Dustin Johnson. I think this could be a huge next four and a half weeks. Well, Matt, you got some exciting things coming up on the rise in the travel schedule. Share with us a little bit about what you have going on going across the pond. Yeah, Tom, I am excited about it. I head out uh, this weekend for the Scottish Open. We're going to be speaking about Gil Hans. We're going to be going up to Castle Stewart up in Inverness, just outside of Inverness, for the Scottish Open the week before the Open Championship. And I will be a part of the live coverage team. I'll do my show from there all week, but then I'll be a part of the live coverage team on Thursday and Friday, which will be fun because David Faraday is a part of our team as well. It's it's just it's cool to get a chance to work with people of such incredible talent. And then the next week, we'll be off to Royal Troon for the Open Championship. And that's a different type of experience for me, a different type of broadcasting experience, because the last few years, uh, how many now, maybe seven years, I guess, or eight years, I've been doing what we call the BBC World Radio broadcast of the Open Championship. And that's really fun, because in that case, because it's radio and because we're right down on the golf course rubbing shoulders with the players. And it just gives you, I mean, can you imagine you can, you talk in, in sport about front row seats. This is more than a front row seat. You're standing right next to a player's bag as, as the history is unfolding. So it's absolutely my favorite stretch of the year. I cannot wait to be back at the open championship and carry the sights and sounds of what's happening there around the world. It's, it's an incredible run. And, and just like with what you're doing, Tom, it's it's head scratching when we think that you know we get to do the stuff that we get to do. It really is cool. Yeah, it's outstanding and getting lost in all this. Not only as we have some fantastic golf coming up, Baltus Raw, and then almost you know you for, unfor, forgetting about it a little bit the uh, FedEx Cup and the Ryder Cup. Yeah, it, that starting from the backside of that with the Ryder Cup, there'll be more and more and more fevered talk about that. I have a sense that. The, the powers that be in the game of golf are trying to be respectful to the Olympics 
And so they're trying not to drum up too much fervor about the, the Ryder Cup because, look, the Ryder Cup is going to take care of itself. It's already sold out. You, you Already all of the corporate chalets, marquees, and tents are already full. So And it's going to get a half billion people or more watching and listening around the world. So the Ryder Cup is going to be okay no matter what kind of hype it gets leading into it. But I have a feeling that there's an unspoken rule in the game of golf that's circulating right now, like I said, amongst the top tier, which is to say, hey, let's let let's get on the other side of the Olympics, and then once we're on the other side of the Olympics, we can go crazy with the Ryder Cup stuff again. Well, Matt, it would be complete if we didn't put you on the clock. Our five questions, 50 seconds. We ask you five pretty irrelevant questions, or maybe relevant, depending on who you are. You give us the answers. You want to go for it? Yeah, fire away. All right, question number one for Matt Adams. The coolest prize you've ever given away to a listener on your show? Coolest prize I've ever given away to a listener on my show has not been given away yet. I just recently got a bobblehead, a little Maddie bobblehead, and so I'm going to call it the, the, the Maddie Neary life-size bobblehead. So that's going to be the next month. Question number two for Matt Adams. What's in your bag right now clubs-wise? Uh, my favorite club that's in there was I just put in one of those Odyssey counterbalance. I've never, I don't know about you, I've never used a counterbalance putter before, but I put the Odyssey White Fang counterbalance putter in there, and it is fantastic. If you have a tendency to desail at all, this thing does not allow it. It's awesome. Number three, you're Davis Love's Ryder Cup assistant. You look across the way, a four-ball match. You got Rory McIlroy and Ian Poulter. You get to pick the two, Dustin Johnson, and who's his teammate? Oh, I'd put Jordan Spieth in there, wouldn't you? I'd have to be. Who Who do you think DJ said he would pick? I, I bet he would say he would take. I, I would say Jordan as well. Am I wrong? Uh, a year ago, he said Matt Kuchar, but that may have changed in a year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> question number four for Matt Adams: Your most memorable interview ever? Charlie Sifford would probably be the top of the vine for me. You know, here's a guy that was the Jackie Robinson of the game of golf. And when I asked him that specific question one time, I said, do you see yourself as Jackie Robinson? He said, I just see myself as a guy that loved to play the game of golf. Great answer. And question number five for Matt Adams. If you have a bucket list of something to do, what's on it that we would would kind of scratch our heads at that you haven't done yet? Uh, I don't have too many things on the bucket list, to tell you the truth, that, that I feel like you know I want to do that I haven't yet. There are a number of different things that I love doing, and one of them is when we do these little trips where we take listeners and viewers away with us and share an experience. And one of my favorite things in the world to do is to bring people back to Ireland with me and to introduce them to those great Lynx golf courses and, and the warm hospitality that the Irish people are consistently displaying. So that, that, that would be the thing that probably brings me the most joy. That's awesome, Matt. You did it. Five questions, 50 seconds. Hey, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thanks for all that you do. What you do is phenomenal, bringing the game to us into our living rooms and into our, uh, into our radios in the car. It's just fantastic. Final words from Matt Adams to our listeners here at Golf Better. Uh, you know, the honor is mine, to be quite honest with you, Tom. That's what I was saying, where I still shake my head every day, and I go, seriously, you're going to let me do this? I'm, j- I'm going to talk about golf and share the experience with everybody. To me, golf is so much more than playing the game, although as, as great as that is, it's a lifestyle. 
And when we started this show now 10 years ago, it was started with a conviction that we share this passion for a lifestyle. And all it's done over these years is continue to prove itself to me that that, in fact, is exactly what it is. And you do it so well, Matt. No one else like you. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to have you again. It's a pleasure, Tom. Thank you. It's always good to catch up with Matt Adams. He is absolutely fantastic, one of the best in the business. Check him out on thegolfchannel.com forward slash TV forward slash fairways of life for his show. You can also catch him on Sirius XM Radio uh, at Matt Adams FOL is the Twitter account. You can find him everywhere on social media. And like he said, he'll be heading over to uh, across the pond for the Scottish Open and the, and the Open Championship, heading over there in just a few days. Well, many thanks again to Matt for joining us and to your listeners, and we'll do it again next time. We have another episode of Golf Better at WorldwideGolfShops.com. So long, everyone. 